Section 4 of the Watergate Report, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Final Report of the Senate Select Committee on Presidential Campaign Activities, Volume 2, Section 4. G. Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company. Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company, prior to April 7, 1972, contributed $40,000 in cash to the Finance Committee for the re-election of the President. Russell DeYoung, Chairman of the Board of Directors and Chief Executive Officer of Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company, stated that the contribution originated in a conversation with Maurice Stans on or about February 16th or 17th, 1972, in Washington, D.C., Stans told DeYoung that he would be contacting him about a contribution to the Finance Committee for the re-election of the President. In public testimony, DeYoung stated, There was some mention of making a contribution prior to April 7th in order that it would not have to be publicly reported. I discussed the matter with Mr. Arden Firestone, Vice President of Goodyear. As a result of that discussion, Mr. Firestone, on March 9th, delivered $20,000 in cash to Mr. Stans in Washington, D.C., I did not attend that meeting, but was later informed that Mr. Stans did not ask, and was not told, the source of the funds. Mr. Stans said he had hoped for a contribution in the range of $50,000, but he did not state or imply that any pressure would be brought if a larger contribution was not forthcoming. It was decided that, in the light of Mr. Stans' reaction, an additional contribution would be made. An additional $20,000 in cash was turned over to Mr. Stans by Mr. Firestone at a second meeting in Washington on March 14th. On this occasion, two personal checks, one from my wife in the amount of $2,000 and the other from me in the amount of $3,000, were also delivered to Mr. Stans. I did not attend that meeting either, but understand that, as on the March 9th occasion, there was no discussion with Mr. Stans as to the sources of the contribution. DeYoung explained the source of the funds. The cash used in making the contribution came from volume discounts from suppliers of Goodyear's foreign subsidiaries. Such amounts were transferred to the United States through normal banking channels from an account maintained in Switzerland. I was never personally involved in the handling of these discounts. I am advised, however, that for a period of time prior to 1967, certain of our European suppliers were directed to deposit volume discounts in an account in a Zurich bank designated Goyeda, standing for Goodyear Deposit Account. From time to time, amounts were withdrawn from this account and kept under the control and custody of an officer of the company in Akron. No discounts were channeled into this account after 1967, when a new financial officer, B. M. Robertson, took over. The account itself was finally terminated in 1970. There is no longer any cash from this source in the custody of any company officials. The amount used in making the contribution was never entered on the company's books as income, and it was never taken on its tax return as a deductible expense. Mr. DeYoung explained the next contact with Stans. In April of 1973, Mr. Stans asked for the names of individuals who had made the $40,000 contribution in March of 1972. He stated that it was highly probable that the Finance Committee would eventually have to make public a list of the individual contributors. 
he said that the committee records merely showed that the contribution came from goodyear employees we first tried to get the money back but mr stan said that was not possible after further discussions within the company we decided to give mr stans the names of eight goodyear executives including my own and divide the forty thousand dollars among the eight this was done with the approval of the executives but with a clear understanding that they would not at any time become involved in any perjury we gave the names because we thought the company might be harmed by the publicity if it became known that goodyear had as a company made a sizable contribution to either political party mr dorson did you personally ask the company executives if their names could be used in response to the request by mr stans mr DeYoung, i did mr dorson and did each of the employees agree to have his name utilized in this connection mr DeYoung, yes they did on the basis that they would not become involved senator irvin so he stans was kindly supplied with the names of eight men corporate executives who allegedly or rather were posing as donors of this money when they had not given a single penny of it is that not correct mr DeYoung, that is correct senator irvin so that was intended to who was that intended to deceive somebody mr DeYoung, well really it was a delaying action senator irvin a delaying action that was given to mr stan so that he could tell the court in the common cause suit that mr DeYoung, no when we were asked to confirm it we denied that senator irvin i know but as i get it you say these men would not have gone and committed perjury that they had been summoned and given required to take an oath telling the truth they would not have committed perjury but they were willing to have a false representation made that was not under oath is that not so mr de young that is correct later when goodyear received a letter from crp attorney kenneth parkinson asking for a confirmation of the information supplied to stans firestone wrote him stating that they could not confirm the contribution as described shortly thereafter goodyear publicly described the illegal source of the contributions and asked for and received the return of the contributions DeYoung explained why cash was used for the contribution. Senator Irvin. Now, I will have to be frank to say I don't find your statement, the reason that this company sent this money in two payments of cash, very convincing. I spent a large part of my life as a lawyer, and I did much work for corporations, and I have searched my memory in vain since hearing your testimony, and I don't recall a single time that a corporation ever paid me a single penny in compensation for legal services, except by check. So wasn't there some reason different than the fact that you had cash, that you paid in cash? Mr. DeYoung. Cash has a tendency to get lost. Senator Irvin. It particularly has a tendency to get lost from view, doesn't it, as compared to a check? Mr. DeYoung. That's right. Senator Irvin. So I would find it more convincing if you had stated that Goodyear sent this $40,000 of corporate funds down here by cash in order to conceal the fact that it was making a corporate donation. Now, is that not a fact? Mr. DeYoung. That is right. Senator Irvin yes fine and they could have transmitted it down here 
if it would have been a legitimate transaction they would have transmitted it down here in all probability by either sending a letter down here with a check in it and an eight cent stamp instead of paying the transportation cost of the vice president to and fro four times between washington and england would it not would that not have been the normal thing to do either that or let the bank in england or whatever other bank you had down here in washington let them issue a check for it mr de young that is normal business practice yes mr de young conceded that publicity motivated the disclosure of the corporate contribution to the special prosecutor senator weicker did you step forward and volunteer information to the prosecutor after american airlines did it what motivated you to step forward at all mr de young because of the publicity we were getting and we found out then that it was very very serious what we had done senator weicker well the degree of seriousness didn't change it was serious when you did it so it was a matter of being discovered or the publicity that was of concern to you mr de young that is right senator weicker has any judgment been passed on goodyear mr de young there has senator weicker what does that consist of mr de young october seventeenth nineteen seventy three the special watergate prosecutor staff filed in the u s district court for the northern district of ohio an information which charged both the company and me with having committed misdemeanors in violation of section six ten of title eighteen united states code by making and consenting to a forty thousand dollar contribution in connection with the presidential election of nineteen seventy two the company and i pleaded guilty to the charges maximum fines which were assessed by the court have been paid both by the corporation and myself senator weicker what fines were assessed mr de young five thousand dollars the maximum fine was five thousand dollars to the company and one thousand dollars to me senator weicker and the shareholders will all be sharing in the paying of the five thousand dollar fine is that right mr de young what do you mean senator weicker well the five thousand dollar fine was paid by the corporation so in effect all the shareholders are involved in the paying of the fine is that right mr de young that is correct senator weicker even though the shareholders weren't consulted as to whether or not they thought the re-election of the president was in the best interest of the country nevertheless they are going to pay for the actions of you and mr firestone is that right mr de young well they pay for all actions of the corporate decisions that are made senator weicker well i would say it is a pretty sorry day for goodyear wouldn't you mr de young not necessarily senator weicker of course again it is only a matter of publicity not of principle that had you step forward and has you before this committee is that correct mr de young that is probably correct h gulf oil corporation gulf oil corporation a company with annual revenue of nine billion dollars prior to april seventh nineteen seventy two made cash contributions of $100,000 for the re-election of President Nixon and $10,000 to Senator Jackson and $15,000 to Congressman Mills, respectively, for their campaign in seeking the nomination as the Democratic candidate for president. 
claude c wilde jr vice president for government relations of gulf oil corporation stated in early january or february nineteen seventy one a mr lee nunn came to my office or visited and informed me that there was being set up a committee to re-elect the president and that they would handle the campaign outside of the normal republican channel which he meant the republican national committee and mr nunn was hopeful that i could arrange to get one hundred thousand dollars in their hands one way or the other he suggested if i wanted some verification of his legitimacy of his role in the operation because this was a new role for him he had been up here as you know with the republican senatorial campaign committee for any number of years and mr nunn suggested that if i wanted verification for his participation in this role that he suggested that i contact mr mitchell because he was going to be active in the strategy part of the campaign and mr stans was going to handle the finances wilde related that he and a friend jack mills met in the justice department with then attorney general mitchell who indicated that this was an operation such as the committee to re-elect the president that mr nunn was going to participate in that that he had full confidence in mr nunn and that is about it wilde was aware of the importance of the april seventh date the day when the disclosure law became effective wilde stated that without consulting anyone at gulf he decided to give fifty thousand dollars and that i had to find a place for the money where the money was so i called the controller of one of our companies in the bahamas and i told him i needed fifty thousand dollars and he brought it to me he explained that the man's name was william Villa, and that the company was the bahamas exploration limited a subsidiary of gulf which is no longer in existence and that the fifty thousand dollars was charged to miscellaneous expense account wilde related that Villa delivered the fifty thousand dollars in cash to him and that in april or may nineteen seventy one nunn was given the cash in wilde's office wilde stated that he was contacted again by nunn in january nineteen seventy two for an additional contribution mr wilde well i think he came to my office again and indicated that this would be a very expensive campaign and that they wanted more money and he would like another fifty thousand dollars making a total of one hundred thousand dollars the implication being to me and i cannot remember whether he made that exact statement or not but the implication was that this was kind of a quota that they were expecting from large corporations mr dorson what was the result of that meeting mr wilde well he suggested that i might like to visit with mr stans about this which i did he set the appointment up this was not my records but their records indicated that it was the fourth of february which was after probably while mr stans was still secretary of commerce but after he had announced he was going to resign i met with him for about fifteen minutes mr dorson what occurred at this meeting first of all who was present mr wilde just mr stans and myself mr dorson and what was said mr wilde well he indicated that he was hopeful of obtaining one hundred thousand dollars from the large american corporations ours being one of the top ten he hoped that we would participate he knew of the previous fifty thousand dollars and he said he would like fifty thousand dollars mr dorson what did you tell mr stans mr wilde well i told him i would see about it mr dorson 
what did you do after that mr wilde i contemplated it a little further and i guess i made another mistake and said all right i will do it so i called mr velia again and got the money delivered it personally to mr stans by that time he had moved to his office in the committee to re-elect the president mr dorson did you deliver the money to mr stans mr wilde i did in person wilde was asked why he considered it necessary to make such a large contribution senator irvin you said you decided it would be in the best interests of gulf to comply with the request made by mr nunn after being requested to make a contribution how did you figure that mr wilde that was the decision i arrived at senator irvin yes how did you figure that the best interests of gulf would be promoted by making a contribution mr wilde well senator you have to make decisions in the context of the situation that existed at the time i arrived at the decision that if we were going to be treated in an equal way i knew other corporations were going to a big effort was going to be made and if there was not some participation on my part or our part we may be you know whether you call it a blacklist or bottom of the totem pole i would just like to answer my telephone calls once in a while and that may not happen sometimes senator montoya questioned wilde about the meaning of the term pressure used by gulf in a press release issued at the time the company admitted making its illegal contributions senator montoya i will quote from this press release as follows third paragraph these contributions were made in response to persistent requests to gulf's washington representative claude c wilde jr from representatives of the finance committee to re-elect the president the company was not seeking any special favors and did not have any corporate activity under government scrutiny there was enormous pressure in the political system and the fact that others apparently also yielded is evidence of this this pressure was intense now was gulf corporation correct in making this evaluation of the kind of pressure that was applied mr wilde well we were talking in the release about pressure in the whole political system senator montoya how would they know about the other pressures and not know about the pressure that was applied to you mr wilde this was written after they found out about the pressures i did not disclose any of this information to anyone prior to senator montoya well were they not directing the context of the statement to the pressure that was applied as a basis for their corporate funds being used in the contribution was that not the main thrust of this release mr wilde the first thrust of the release i think was that there was pressure in the system on me as a representative of the corporation senator montoya yes now what kind of intense pressure was applied to you by these individuals let us start with mr nunn and then let us continue with mr stans mr wilde i guess the wording here intense pressure is subject to various interpretations but in my days i considered it considerable pressure when two cabinet officers and an agent of one of the committees that was handling the election asking me on various occasions that i have enumerated the times that i have enumerated asking me for funds that is just a little bit different than somebody collecting for the boy scouts senator montoya in other words having been around washington for quite a bit you read the message 
Mr. Wild. Well, I thought I had a message. Responding to questions from Senator Irvin, Wild testified, Senator Irvin, Mr. Wild, don't you think it is very unfortunate that we have so much regulation of business in America that business necessarily is susceptible of being coerced by people in authority to make a campaign contribution, which, if left to themselves, they certainly would not make? Mr. Wild, I could not have said it better. Senator Irvin, don't you agree that Congress should give serious consideration to making it a criminal offense for any official clothed with great governmental power to solicit or receive a campaign contribution? Mr. Wild. Senator, I don't think I would be prepared to go quite that far. There is certainly the right of an individual to do whatever he pleases with his money. Senator Irvin. I agree with you on that, but this is a different question, I think. Here, for example, is an Attorney General of the United States who has so much power, and in large part discretionary power over American business. Mr. Wild. That is right. Senator Irvin. And likewise, the Secretary of Commerce, which in many cases is discretionary in nature, that when he requests a campaign fund, it is almost a coercive practice, isn't it? It is quite close to it, isn't it? Mr. Wild. Well, that is the way it came through by brain, anyway. Mr. Wilde stated that sometime in the spring of 1973, he met with Nunn, who informed him it may be necessary to disclose the names of the pre-April 7th contributors, and that Wilde should be prepared to give names. Wilde testified as to what happened next. Then Secretary Stans called me, and he wanted to know how the $100,000 contribution should be he expressed again a concern at this matter. He regretted it very much because these contributions were supposed to be made where no disclosure would be made. He was very apologetic and so forth. But at the same time, he said, it looks like we are going to have to make a listing of these contributions made prior to April 7th. He asked me how I wanted it listed. I told him that, well, I didn't have any names to give him, so I said Claude Wilde and Associates. Stans called Wilde a second time, and Wilde gave him the same response. Mr. Dorson, were you thereafter contacted with respect to this information again? Mr. Wilde, the next contact I had was in a letter dated July 9, 1973, from Mr. Kenneth Parkinson, who was the counsel for the Finance Committee, asking me to verify the fact that $100,000 contribution had been made and the proper showing on their listing should be employees of Gulf Oil Corporation, Mr. and Mrs. Claude Wilde. It was at that point that I thought things were sufficiently of a serious nature that I arranged a meeting with the chairman of the Gulf Oil Corporation, Mr. Dorsey, and discussed this matter. Then we obtained counsel in a short period of time, made a disclosure, voluntary disclosure, to the then Cox Committee, and requested our money back from the committee to re-elect the president, which we did obtain. In connection with the corporate contributions made to Senator Jackson, Wilde gave the following testimony. As I recall the time frame, it was in early January, could have been February of 1972, I was contacted by Mr. William Brawley, Bill Brawley, who is on the staff of Senator Jackson. He called me two or three times. My intuition told me what he was calling about. Finally, I agreed to meet with... He wanted to arrange a meeting with me with Senator Jackson. 
subsequently that meeting did take place i met with senator jackson and his assistant sterling monroe at that time senator jackson indicated that he was having a difficult time raising money and this was well documented at least by the press and he was hopeful that i would be helpful i told him i would see what i could do what i did was arrange through the same sources to get ten thousand dollars and delivered it to sterling monroe that is the last i saw of senator jackson or sterling monroe mr dorson is it your testimony that mr brawling called you and contacted you for the contribution mr wilde that is my testimony mr dorson and is it your testimony that the subject of money was discussed at the meeting that you just described mr wilde no specific sum but when you say a politician says to someone i hope you will be helpful you kind of understand what that means mr dorson but no sum was discussed at that meeting mr wilde no sum was discussed gulf oil corporation and wilde were fined five thousand dollars and one thousand dollars respectively for making illegal corporate contributions to the presidential campaign of president nixon end of section four